welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I am Sophia Amoruso, the founder of NastyGal.com, the author of the New York Times bestselling book Girl Boss, and author of Nasty Galaxy, a beautiful, fully illustrated and linen-bound book full of color and everything from how-tos to a trip inside my house and my closet to Q&As with different girl bosses who inspire me. You can reserve your signed copy today on NastyGal.com slash book or wherever books are sold. On this podcast, I interview a different woman who's carved out a path for herself. We trace her from her first job to how she got to where she is today to extract solid advice for our listeners who are doing the same with their lives. To stay in touch with all things Girl Boss, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Girl Boss. You can sign up for our newsletter, Girl Boss Diary, by going to girlboss.com, and you can follow me at Sophia Amoruso on Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope Girl Boss Radio helps you achieve your goals, or at the very least, provides some amount of inspiration for you. So please help us achieve our goals. If you like our podcast, please subscribe in iTunes and share your love on social media. Today's guest is Poopery founder and CEO Susie Batiz. So let's get right to it. Susie Batiz is the queen of the crapper. After starting multiple businesses and surviving two bankruptcies, Susie Batiz struck gold with poop. Fed up with the lack of natural bathroom odor solutions, Susie combined her knowledge of essential oils and entrepreneurial passion and formulated poopery as the first natural, truly effective solution to a universal problem. Poop happens and it smells like shh. Since 2007, 17 million bottles of poopery, wow, have sold and annual sales now top $30 million annually. And unlike most businesses, Susie and her team pride themselves on being number two. <laughs> Welcome, Susie. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, your story is so interesting. And Susie, I'm just so curious. What was your first job? Oh, my gosh. So my first job was at Burger King. Uh-huh. And I was 15. And I lied to them and told them I was 16. Uh-huh. We won't talk about what year that was. But you didn't uh-huh. need driver's license to actually get a job. It was so funny. Um, but I'm still upset that I never got to work the drive-thru. Why didn't you get to work the drive-thru? Well, I because mean, this college guy was the manager, and you had to be like a hot girl, and I wasn't a hot wow, girl. at Burger King. At Burger King. So I was mopping the floors, but I really figured out real quickly, like, You're, you, okay. I, you were, I'm sure you were a hot girl. It, no. I literally wore a 14 slim and little girls when I graduated high school. It's like little kids' Four, clothes. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah like size 14 for... A little girl. Juniors. Yeah. Amazing. That's what I wore. Like, Aww. I had no body until I had a kid. Oh. It's amazing. My first child, everyone goes, wow. <laughs> How old is your kid now? Oh, I have three. 28, wow. 27, and 22. Oh, wow. You were busy. So you just mm. were like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Was it really cool young. having them all within um, a few years of each other? Yeah. I've heard that. I'd Because they get it. to be buddies. Well, and you get a life at some point. At some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you have like two crazy toddler crawling around. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, but if you're going to do it, you I, might as well do it. I should have spaced this out. But yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't have any kids. Um, <laughs> Burger King. Was there anything that you feel like you learned at Burger King that you've taken with you to everything else that you've done? Yeah. I really learned like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to really become good at something. You know, I remember, I think I couldn't remember all of that. You have to order things in a certain way. And I was like, oh, like I really need to study and excel. So my next job, I just became the best. And that was my goal. Mm. Like just be the best. And I don't have to worry about working the damn drive-thru. I'll get the drive-thru. Amazing. And so, all right, that's pretty early. You started really Mm -hmm. early. What did you do after that? Well, after that, when I was 19, I bought a bridal salon and I was bankrupt by 20. 
Oh my god! Yeah, so I kind of I kind of fell bride? into the gate. How did you buy a bridal salon? <laughs> yeah, I convinced my mother and then uh-huh. my boyfriend's parents to loan me some money. Oh, oh it's so bad! I bought a bunch of old inventory. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. I was in Arkansas. This was in 1983. I took. I took all the windows, painted them black, painted the mannequins black, so you could uh-huh. really see the white dresses. Yeah. And I forgot I was in Jonesboro, Arkansas, right? Yeah. Everybody was like, <laughs> this is too weird for me. Yeah. It didn't oh, wow. work. How long? So so that lasted a year. Mm-hmm. When did you get out of Arkansas? What was it growing up in Arkansas like? It was horrible. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, I was that kid that the preacher used to come and preach to me, and I was like, this did doesn't they, make any like, sense. Like singing tongues, and was it like crazy, well, like back... Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I couldn't wear like you would go to hell if you wore a skirt. Oh wow! Yeah, or, or shorts especially. You're going to hell today, Susie. I'm totally <laughs> going to hell. <laughs> She's wearing a beautiful like white lace dress right now. Mm. You guys can't see. Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. So it was hell. How old were you when you left Arkansas? I was about 21. Okay. Yeah. So you were like, this bridal salon didn't work. It's, I'm 21. Where did you go? I moved to Dallas. Yeah, to Arlington for a little okay. short stint. And had, I've always had so many businesses. It's like, let's try this. Oh, shit, that didn't work. Uh-huh. Let's try this. What else did you try? Oh, my gosh. I've had clothing stores, tanning salons. Oh, wow. I've had interior design company. So I heard you had a shoe line? Yeah, so when I was 18, um, it's back when they wore pumps with, like, skinny jeans, uh-huh. and I wanted some denim ones. I'm like, oh, this would be so cool in denim, you know? So I had my boyfriend's mother worked at a shoe factory, and I uh-huh. had her makeup hair. I drew it, and she made them, and I called guests in New York. And um, I don't know, I looked it up in the phone book. It's funny to, to be funny. older and go, how did we do shit back yeah. then without the cell phones, the white right? Pages. Yeah. yeah, totally. Anyway, they said, we're, we're coming out with a shoe line. Come see us in New York. And I was uh-huh. 18. I was like, this is amazing. And I go tell my mom. And she said, you can't go. You're just a little girl from Arkansas. Uh-huh. They will chew you up and spit you out. How do you feel about that? Well, now I think, God, I can't believe I listened to that story. Damn it, mom. Exactly. Yeah. I think parents can sometimes think they're doing the best for you. Yeah. And they're maybe being selfish because they just want you to like stay close or yeah. um, they don't want you to get hurt. Totally. And we were from Arkansas and this is New York City, you know, Uh it's such a big deal, but it was really... Would that have been your first time in New York? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a really fun story. And I tell a lot of women that like, just keep those blinders on. Don't listen to what people say so much. Yeah. I think that's not always the best. Really, really important. And sometimes even your parents don't know, right? Sometimes even your parents don't know. A Um, lot of times. So bankruptcy at 20. Yep. What was that like? Yeah, it sucked. I mean, it's good to do it young, right? It is. And I learned a really good lesson. I went to go borrow some more money, and the banker said, you know, one of the best things you need to learn in business is recognize when you have a rotten fish Mm -hmm. and then turn your back on it and just never look back. Like, keep trucking. Uh Like, that's the point. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. That's such a scary, that's such a scary, it is scary when you put time into things, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, to like walk away. Yeah. But the but the great thing is, is you take what you have left, mm-hmm. right? Which is actually a lot. You have a lot of resiliency, determination. And Same you thing. You learn so much. Totally. When yeah. somebody has a hard life, I'm like, hell yeah, you're going to make a great entrepreneur. Uh huh. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got some scar tissue. Totally. You can, like, bounce off of. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, do you think you get your entrepreneurial drive from? I grew up without a lot of money. Uh-huh. So I had to make everything. I made all my own clothes. I, I wow. didn't think, go buy it. Uh-huh. It was like, oh, I'll just make it. Yeah. So I have super maker mentality. Yeah. It's like you want to do something, you just make it, right? It's amazing. You yeah. just create it. 
I do think that when you don't have a lot at your disposal to work with that you're forced to be so much more creative. And when you have to actually like invent the moving pieces instead of go buy them or borrow them or get other people to do them for you in the beginning when you are the person doing those things and learning from your mistakes and really feeling like the the interior of what it is that you're building, you learn so much more. I guess it's like, you know, if you were thinking about your body, it would be like your core. Your core. Anyway, yeah. And that's what artists do. But we don't bring it to the business world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're too afraid of failing. Artists just, you know. Are you surprised when you think when someone calls you a business person or like, do you, is it, because I'm a business person, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like a business artist or totally. a life artist or, you know, and yes, I'm a businesswoman, but did you ever think that you would be like a legitimate businesswoman with like a multi-million dollar business? Mm. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, after having been through so much mm. um, to process like, oh my God, like we hit it out of the park. And how has your life changed? And how has the way that people interact with you changed? Is that like really fascinating? It is fascinating. I'm not as enthralled with success or mm-hmm. in a trance from it. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is cool. What can we do now? Yeah, totally. What I realize is I'm more interested in playing. I'm more interested in the creative process. Yeah. And when I was younger, I was interested in like financial goals or certain goals. Yeah. And when I had so many failures, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to start doing what I want to do. Life is too short. Life's too short. Totally. Let me just play. And uh-huh. then, of course, ironically, that's when success happens, right? Yeah. So for our listeners who, maybe the one person who doesn't know what poopery is, can you describe for us what it is and how it works? Yeah, it's a before-you-go bathroom spray made with essential oils. So you spray it on the surface of the toilet water before you go. It creates a film. That film actually traps the odor. Uh-huh. And then when you do your business, you know, you go uh-huh. to the bathroom, it actually seals the uh-huh. odor. That's yeah. amazing. The problem right now... And it releases a fragrance as well. Totally. The essential oils release the fragrance. You flush the toilet and you get more fragrance oh, within wow. the air. Yeah. So it's like, it's preemptive. It's dealing with the problem before it even starts. Do you have a patent on it? No, it's not patentable. Well, it is if I release the formula. So I decided to keep the formula mine, like a Kentucky Fried Chicken or Coca-Cola. Uh-huh. Like they have their formula. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Where did yeah. you get the idea for poopery? Well, actually, um, my brother-in-law had the idea. He said, can you trap odor? And he had tried for a couple of years. And I, essential oils, I love. I have them in my purse all the time. Uh-huh. And it took me about a year to create the formula. Wow. And then once I did, I was like, shit, like this is really good. People were asking me to make it in my kitchen. Uh-huh. It's a little cliche, one of those stories. I'm sorry, make it in my kitchen, but it's no, true. That's how yeah. everything starts. Totally. And so where, did you just think of the name? Yeah, actually, my sister-in-law called me because I had everybody out thinking. I, I knew it uh-huh. had to be funny. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm talking to people about poop. Uh-huh, right? totally. Like if totally. I walk up and go, hi, Sophie, I want to talk to you about poop. I'd be would... like, awesome. I love talking about poop. Oh, good. Poop. I <laughs> well, think poop is really funny. You're a unicorn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Most people would not think that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like, I don't necessarily want to be near it but a bunch, but I think it's funny Yeah, to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So my sister-in-law called me and she goes, poop, poop, puree, you know, like hip, hip, puree. Uh-huh. And I, I just thought, no, poopery, like potpourri. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked. So good. It definitely breaks the ice. And so how long ago was that that you started the company? It was uh, 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, this next April will be 10 years. And so what were the first things that you did? You made your formula and people were like, I need this out of your yeah. kitchen. 
how did you legitimize the business? What were the steps that you took to get your first retailers and start packaging? And I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, there is. I knew a couple of things. I knew it had to be funny. I knew I wanted really beautiful packaging. I wanted something. I was tired of the metal cans on the back of the toilet. And I knew it had to be so good that people would talk about it. And that's what I saw. It started word of mouth. And when I tell entrepreneurs, they ask me, they say, oh, I have a really good idea. I said, make it great. Mm-hmm. Because once it's great, people are going to tell other people, right? Yeah. If it's just good, you have it's to have like, something shareable. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, my friends started telling friends and same thing happened with stores. The store bought it and then the next store and the next store and the next store. Uh huh. And I just literally knew nothing about this business and just listened step by step. People and- go, you need to do this. Has anyone approached you to buy the company? Lots of times. I imagine. I can imagine. It's so unique. I wonder if anyone's listening while they're pooping right now. I bet I bet bet somebody is. And for you, you you know, get get off the podcast and go order poopery. Um (laughs) so how did you pitch this to stores? You were like, I mean, did you walk in? Was that like a really awkward thing? Like, hi, I have this product and it has to do with poop. Like, what kind of stores did you even take it to initially? Yeah, to gift shops. Okay. Because I knew they had, they wanted specialty goods. Yeah. And I also knew they could educate the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, they started calling me. That's the thing. That's why I said when something's really good, people want it. Mm-hmm. And they start telling other people. Yeah. So I didn't pitch as much. I tried to pitch for like the first month, and that wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And then I just realized once I start selling and word of mouth, I could just keep making my product, my packaging, my company better. Mm-hmm. To make more people talk about it. Did you it. ever have to do demos, like take something really smelly, probably not poop, and like bring it in and show people like how it worked with like a bucket or? Mm, well, I would bring no. a bowl of water oh, and yeah. then I would spray it and show them the top layer. Totally. You know, okay. and they get it. They're like, like, oh, I You're going to have to go poop to figure the rest out. Totally. Go back there, try it. <laughs> and if they didn't, like if they didn't buy the product, I would say, okay, fair enough. But the next time you're in the bathroom, like don't think about it, okay? Uh-huh. And they would call me back and go, oh. Oh my God, all I think about now is poopery when I poop. I think. Totally. I mean, so many relationships you've probably saved. Have you heard stories? A lot. Oh, yeah. 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 We have so many reviews, and people are like, You saved my relationship. And that's the thing. Like, guys don't understand that is not sexy. I've yeah. never been with like a big farter or like yeah. guy who. Smart. Yeah. I don't, I think I'm that guy, actually. <laughs> Um, so how far into your business? So it's been 10 years. So yeah. the first thing I ever saw was this, this viral video that was like, Oh my God, is this real? Is this not real? This is so funny. Describe this video that pretty much everyone, but maybe one person who's pooping right now, <laughs> um, and listening to the podcast has seen. Um, what was that first crazy viral video for you? Yeah. So it was really great. I knew that whenever we made a video that we had to make a really, like British, I, I wonder British because, uh-huh. you know, the British, their shit doesn't stink, right? Uh-huh. Everybody knows that. Uh-huh. So I knew I wanted a really prim and proper British girl sitting on the toilet. And I also knew I loved the juxtaposition of her talking like a sailor, yet uh-huh. she looks like this really refined yeah. British woman. She's wearing like know? a 50s cocktail dress. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is going to be perfect. You know, just that whole juxtaposition is like ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So we, we, we made the video and it was amazing uh, viral success. 
success just because it was funny. You know, mm-hmm. first of all, like women talk like that and we talk about poop, but not really in public. Like to really say I poop, mm-hmm. the big girl thing to do was to not say that mm-hmm. you poop. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny that a couple of feminists af- actually afterwards emailed me and said, you know, oh, this is anti-feminist, you know. And I said, actually, it's not because look mm-hmm. at what she's saying. Yes, mm-hmm. she may say, how do you make the world believe your poop doesn't stink? But she's also saying, I just dropped the, you know, a big mother load. I mean, she's totally owning it. It's just like, who cares? If exactly. you want your shit to smell good, don't make it a political thing. Exactly. God. Exactly. But what I love is you have an empowered, beautiful woman that's mm-hmm. talking about how gnarly her poop was. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many views has it had? Well, that particular video, probably 60 or 70 million. I don't know. On our YouTube channel, we've had over like 160 million. Did you set out to make a viral video? No, I didn't know it was be viral, but I did. It was a conversion video. The mm-hmm. video was meant to drive mm-hmm. a cell, mm-hmm. right? But what I did know is that humor works and it mm-hmm. needed to be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually fought the director on the creamy behemoth line. Oh, yeah. I, I fought him for like two days. I, was like, I mean, no. it's pretty gross, but it's gross. I'm her- texting all my friends going, can you believe this? Yeah. It works. That people like. <laughs> yeah. I only allowed him to put that line in as if we shot alternates. I was like, you shoot, shoot me something and else. test it. And test see. it. Yeah, yeah, totally smart. And I was wrong. Um, so I heard only four actresses would read for the role. Um, I was so bad for this commercial. Maybe three. Okay, Bethany might have been the fourth. <laughs> so her name's Bethany. Is she actually English or is that like a fake accent? She's Scottish. Oh, Scottish. Okay. Yeah. How did you find her? So you're in Dallas now. I'm in Dallas, but did- we filmed in Utah. Okay. And three people showed up for the script. Um, uh-huh. Because I mean, think, look at it. You know, you're uh-huh. not believe the mother load. I totally. She's dropped. sitting on a toilet. Yeah, totally. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, no thanks. Uh-huh. And um, but <laughs> the first three people were so bad that uh-huh. we called a linguistics professor at BYU and just said, we need someone with a real English accent. Yeah. And he said, I know the perfect girl, and he sent her over. Oh, that's so funny. So, but she was an actress as well. Yeah. Okay. What has that done for her career? I'm just so curious. Like, yeah. is she just the poopery girl, or is that actually? catapulted her to other opportunities. Yeah, she's had a lot of other opportunities, but we pretty much, you know. You've got uh, a corner. Agreement. Yeah. You've got a corner. She's our girl. <laughs> on her. Um, so it's been 10 years. Mm. At what point in that trajectory did this video happen? It happened three years ago. Okay. And yeah. so what did that do for your business? Wow, it was amazing. It really? just Yeah, we grew leaps and bounds. We were $4 million in back order in, I think, like three days. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was pretty painstaking, though. Yeah. Imagine. Like, you, you can't ship people. You've already taken their money. Oh, I've been through hell and back. I, yeah. I know. You know. Yeah. And it's like every, you know, thousands <laughs> uh-huh. of emails. Like, you've stolen our oh, money. Oh, yeah, you can't keep up with the emails and then... Oh. Yeah, then people are more mad because they're not getting responses and their orders aren't being shipped and then they write again and again and again and it's like this whole ripple effect when you can't fulfill orders. It's crazy. Yeah. And so how did you handle that when your business was, when it felt like you things were melting down, but actually things were just taking off? Yeah, it was really horrendous. I thought it was over. And we had a problem with this, our sprayers. Like uh-huh. I couldn't get those in for like 16 weeks oh because of lead time. We had someone that didn't order them, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't think I was going to be able to ship for six months. And it was wow. really bad. I thought as a small business, like we're done. That's mm-hmm. it. It's pretty much over. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I went into meditation one night, and I realized if I just contact the CEO of the sprayer company, I could 
Mm-hmm. Maybe something could happen. And I did. I went and told him. I messaged him on LinkedIn and said, I'm going to camp out for 48 hours. I want you to look me in the eyes and tell you because we'd been trying for a month to get sprayers. Mm-hmm. And they're the only people in the world that make them. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's so, so special about the sprayer? Well, our products, lemon oil is acidic, like lemon mm. and orange. So you have to have a really high-powered sprayer to handle those oils. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I went and I camped out, you know, it's like, and, um, and you looked him in the eye and you were like, listen, well, I actually didn't even take off, but I was prepared to, and, oh, okay. and he called and was like, we got your message. Don't worry. We're going to help you. And yeah, that's it was amazing. amazing. That's great. And are they still your partner? They are. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It's really um, crazy. Is your own site still the primary driver of revenue for you or is it your boutiques? Mm. Well, actually, we're pretty diverse. Yeah. And, you know, boutiques and mass and totally. And we saw a lot on QVC and oh, then wow. also D2C. Our direct to consumer is only a small part of our business. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And we use it mostly as an advertising. Yeah. So if we do advertise or spend money on direct to consumer, it's to just build awareness. Absolutely. So what is what is your day to day like? Are you in the office every day? How big is your team? Yeah, what what is it like at Poopery today? Yeah, it's, we have a really fun creative company. That's yeah. how I always tell people. I I'm mean, like, we're a creative company. It happens to sell a poop product, right? Uh-huh. So we focus on creativity. There's that's not a great. single job in our company that doesn't require creativity. Wow. Yeah. So Even cool. if you're an operations manager, it's like we look for creative strategy. How many people is it now? Fifty. Okay. We're still small. That's such yeah, because nice we don't size. manufacture ourselves. Yeah, that's it's really totally nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun company. We. Um, so my day is, I mean, I get up in the morning, 10 minutes of breath work, 20 minutes of meditation, and then I have about an hour and a half. I have tea, like very ritualistic tea, and then I write. That's amazing. So do you write in a journal? I do. Okay. Because that's hard to do. Were you Were you always so well-rounded? No, no, no. It took a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I had to, sh- you know, shave off totally. a bunch of crap. Probably um, having grown kids probably helps too. It does. Yeah. It helps a lot. But actually, you know, what I realized is I was so freaking stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have to do something. And I know that when I do my breath work and meditation and I have my nice, easy mornings, my day, mm-hmm. I get so much more done. What time do you wake up? About 5.30. Wow. What time do you go to sleep? Yeah, probably about 10. Okay. You know, I, I get like seven, seven and a half hours sleep. Okay. Uh, I'm an eight hours kind of girl. Yeah. I'm kind of useless without like. I like eight. Seven hours and 59 minutes and I'm like, I might as well it's, have gotten one hour. <laughs> it's weird. Um, so you've filed two bankruptcies in two. your life. Yeah. And I read also that you went through a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because I think that happens to a lot of people at different points in our life. Oh, yeah. I think it, the word midlife is really funny because we never know when we're going to die. But yeah. um, that's a good point. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> you could be midlife right now. I know I could be at the end of my life and in crisis. <laughs> How would uh, I know right now? Yeah. What um, What came out of that, and you know what triggered that, and then also just you know as a person going through struggle, what would you say like you've learned over the years and how do you approach, you know, difficulty in your life? Because it seems like you're someone who's really comfortable with, you know, with the ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had to be, you Uh know, when you, yeah. And also taking full responsibility, like what did I do and trying to learn. And sometimes that was the stock market crash. There were things that are beyond your control. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I really learned 
from that is you can always pick up and start over. Yeah. It's the I was walking someone I remodeled an old church in Dallas and I and I literally wow. said, Yeah, so I was telling someone I said I said they didn't leave me much, but I took what I had left and I made this because mm-hmm. everything they left me I created yeah. and I said I created this. Yeah. And and my friend goes, That's your life. Yeah. That you took what you had left every time and totally. you recreated something. Yeah. And you so you can like sew magic into anything. Exactly. You and can sew magic. I think there's what you have and there's what you do with what you have. And the only thing we can do is use what we have, right? I mean, there is nothing else. And we can go find things, but that's all an extension of what we're capable of, what our resources mm-hmm. are, who we know, whether we're, we can get out of town or find the people that we need to to make anything happen. Um, yeah. And I'm also a big believer in resonance. Like, you know, when something's really flowing. Yeah. What I realize is a lot in my life, I push through what wasn't working. Well, it also sounds like you've cultivated like a healthy dis, I don't want to say disattachment because that sounds negative, mm-hmm. but that you are comfortable letting things happen as they should be and observing them and not being affected by them, I guess is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a really important thing. I mean, not every, you can't look at everything like a, like a math equation or completely mercenary, but you know, to be in a headspace where you're fully aware and, you know, eyes wide open about whatever it is that you're doing in your life, I think is, um, so it's a really difficult thing. And to pay attention. Yeah. What it was it Oprah or Yolanda Van Zandt that said, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them? Yeah. When someone what shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Exactly. And, and that how much is does like, that happen in business? Oh, my god. And gosh. we keep like, it doesn't work and it doesn't work totally. and it doesn't work. Instead of readjusting, re-strategizing, yeah. maybe the timing's not right. Or you try to bend yourself around to something. Totally. And then you end up this contortionist stuck in the corner. Yeah. And then you go, why didn't it work? And you're like, where'd I go? And if you look back, you can always see the warning signs like, shit, I knew then. Totally. And I knew then and I knew then. So my practice is, can I wake up now and start paying attention to what's really flowing? Absolutely. For example, this podcast, like it was Uh easy for me. I was like, oh, Uh I'm going to happen to be in Ohio. Okay, this is great. That's amazing. I'll just pop over and I have another meeting this afternoon before we go to film. Do you see? Yeah. So I love living in this. Are you shooting another ad? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Have you done several since the initial one? Yeah, we have. Okay, cool. I'm going to go And most of them have been viral. I mean, we really. Okay. We're wow. really good. Who do you work with? Uh, we do all of our stuff internal, but we hire outside directors. Directors and, and producers. Yeah. 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 But amazing. we pretty much write everything ourselves. Are you afraid of anything? I'm afraid of everything. Really? Yeah. People always ask me, they're like, so when you get to a certain level of success, are you not afraid anymore? I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm afraid a lot. You're like more afraid. Of course. Because it's bigger. Because you lose. And, and people. people reliant on exactly. you. And you're an example. Yeah. And yeah, what happens if... I lose this. I, you know, it's like worse than almost never having it because then you like, now you know you the know. difference and you're like, oh, yeah. sh- oh shit, it's going to take so much more work to build anything remotely like that ever again. Totally. So yeah, um, what I do is I just don't listen to the fear as strongly mm-hmm. as I did when I was younger. Yeah. You and know, it like, sounds like your morning routine probably helps you. It does help. You know, meditation, it helps me level and yeah. balance and is, go, okay. Is there a type of meditation that you do? I do transcendental meditation. Okay. Cool. I almost did that. Do you have any productivity hacks, like apps that you use, or how do you stay organized? Mm. 
I have people around me that are organized. Uh huh. Yeah. What I realize is what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Yeah. I'm super good at being in the flow, but I like everyone else to tell me what to do. For example, you need to be here at one o'clock. I'm not going to set this up. It's uh-huh. not my genius. Totally. I'm super into people being in their genius. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure like Shara, I'm sure she's a genius Shara organizer. Shara is in her oh, Shara. genius. Yeah, Shara. Yeah. Exactly. So it's fun to play uh-huh. and co-create with people that are in their genius. Yeah. Yeah. So my productivity trip, uh, you know, hack is have people around you that are genius yeah. at what they do. Yeah. And that way you can play and be in your genius and we're all having a great time. I know. Absolutely. What would you say your proudest moment it has been in, in life? Wow. My proudest moment in life. That's a big one. Because you've done one. a lot. I've done a lot. My proudest moment in life is where I am within myself. Wow. And my personal development. That's so cool. Yeah, because I've got a lot of reasons to be a really crappy person. Yeah. You know? I, I think have, we all, I mean. Yeah. We have yeah. those excuses. The longer we're on earth, the more reasons we have. Exactly. Yeah. And I do a lot of work. That's you know? so great. So that's the thing I'm most proud of. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, thank you. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I'm I mean, totally an introvert. Really? You're yeah. an introvert who started a poo company. I know. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I didn't know I was an introvert for many years. Really? Yeah. But I totally, I need private How time. How did you learn? Did you do like the Myers-Briggs test or? No. I just someone told me the, the difference. You know the yeah. difference. An introvert refuels yeah. being alone and an extrovert uh-huh. around people. And I just yeah. started noticing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely introvert, but I find myself being around people more than I necessarily need. A lot to be of either. introverts push themselves to be extroverts yeah. because it's more socially. I try. I try. Yeah. yeah. And we're afraid of missing out. Totally. You know, it's and like, oh, some... I could be home reading a book and they're having a party. Yeah. And sometimes it just gets boring, like sitting alone. Totally. <laughs> um, if you could brunch with any woman, who mm. would it be? Wow. You know who just popped in was Joan of Arc. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, she's great. Like, yeah. I want to hear, like, Absolutely. what were you thinking? Uh-huh. How, you know, how do you feel? That that's would be so good. super amazing. It would be really funny. I wonder what she would order at brunch. Like, oh. <laughs> would she get a mimosa? Like, you know? I don't think Brunch so. toast? Like, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so uh, there's a question I ask uh, every one of our guests on this mm-hmm. podcast, and it's it's what is your girl boss moment? And so we have this thing called girl boss moments, and so our listeners tweet and Instagram and their hashtag girl boss moment, which is the time of your week where you felt like you were really in control of your life, and it sounds like you cultivate a lot of those yeah. times in your life, um, and it can be a, sm- a small thing that has to do with self care. It could be something business related. What would you say your your girl boss moment was? Wow. I had a really good um, girl boss moment when I was trying to decide whether to stay another five days in Ohio mm-hmm. because the um, training program I'm in was actually 10 days, wow. but I left it five days. And what I chose to do was to go film with our company. And it's mm-hmm. very easy for me to let my team do that. Totally. But what I realized, Sophia, is that my responsibility was more important and my integrity of saying what I was going to do was more important than me hanging out in Ohio another five days. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, so it seems like, it's like I don't have to do it. Yeah. But it's that moment where what feels best totally. and it really feels best to be there supporting them. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're in a good headspace and often that's what's best for other people too. Yeah. You don't want to show up like, you know, gnarly Susie. Oh, no. On the shoot, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, They're probably very happy. I spent five days in Ohio before I came to the shoot. <laughs> 
Cool. Susie, thank you so much for coming mm. on the show. Thank this you. This has been really fun. Tell our listeners where they can find Poopery. Oh, you can find it at like 10,000 boutiques across the United States. I really love supporting local business. Cool. Um, but you also can buy it on our website, Poopery.com. P-O-O-P-O-U-R-R-I.com. That was another episode of Girl Boss Radio. We'll be back next week, so please tune in. Our producer is Shara Morris. Thanks also to Emily Rubin, Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song and Same Animal for our interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Amoruso. I'll talk to you next week.